Chapter 4, Red versus Yellow. Oh, yeah. Before we get into it, seeing as this is an episodic podcast, and we've been going here at a blazing pace. Blazing. We start the episode, we're diving in. I thought it would be a good idea to like have a segment of like mention a fan, something like that. Okay. And I think... A specific fan? I think recognizing Keith Mees... Oh my goodness, one of my favorite fans. Because Keith was our first Instagram follower, and that was before any of the content was even available. So he was it, wow. on board showing his passion before for even the knowing what this podcast, was, yeah. before having a taste of how great it actually has become. I mean, this podcast was also conceived in front of Keith Mees. It was like Keith many conceived, things. yeah. So like many things, it was I'm, conceived it, right in front of Keith Mees. Only seems right that he is our very first. And does this give him some sort of a prize, perhaps? Perhaps. Uh, we encourage you to write in, leave us some comments uh, with prizes that we should give Keith. And and what is that email account they should write into? That's Hardy and Sons Podcast at gmail dot com. I mean, that's a pretty easy email to remember, folks. And uh, without further ado, though, we salute you, Keith, and here's chapter four, dedicated to Keith Meese. What's happening? What's happening? I mean, right right off, right, right off the, uh, right off the bat, we're into some heavy drama. So our last uh, chapter led us from uh, fellas, we better chase down this mysterious figure. Yeah. Uh, And then we pick up. With those boys chasing them, and the very first decision they make is to split up. Yeah, they scatter. They scatter. Three different directions. Yeah. But this man has a gun. Yeah, a they gun. They know that this he's man has a gun. He's hunted them down. He's stolen cars. He just threatened them. Let's have three high schoolers yeah. handle this guy independently. This is insane to me. And just when I think that that's the craziest thing that the Hardy Boys could do. Oh, no. Joe, Joe uh, he takes a turn for the worst. By uh, he he sticks his ear to the ground and listens for receding footsteps. What are you chasing here? A bison? My favorite sentence is the next one. Oh, there's one after. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Immediately <laughs> shut down. <laughs> he could hear none. Yeah. So Joe is striking me as somebody who wants to be a detective. Yeah. And has seen some things maybe in movies. but He's been like, watching a lot of Davy Crockett. I've heard like things about if you're you know on train tracks. I like, can put your ear against the rails of a you train feel track. feel the rattles. And, like, it, yeah, yeah. And it, it vibrates or something like that. But they're in the middle of a farm. And I've stood in farms before. And like there's yeah. animals making noises. There's you know leaves rustling. There's all sorts of noises. And if you're going to hear someone, it's going to be because, like, they're stepping on a twig. They're crunching through dry leaves. Yeah, it's not going to be the Burying rattle in the ground. your head in tall grass and trying to place it against dirt to try to hear footsteps just seems really foolish. But Yeah, I'm starting to doubt the Hardy Boys. I'm starting to think that Frank might not be the dumb one and maybe Joe's, uh, Joe's a, a little bit, uh, bit of a frittata. Uh, again, I'm maintaining my stance that they're both the dumb one. <laughs> yeah, I think that's and, a fair uh, call. And I'm not starting to think that. I'm continuing to think that. Here's the the best thing about this chapter to me is, so by no shock, they don't find the guy. Obviously. Okay, they're trying to find him by listening to him through the ground. You're not going to yeah, find a guy. There's a 17-year-old with his head in grass. Yeah, that's you got a better chance of getting up in a tree and looking out to see if you see a man or any like moving objects. Yeah. But no, he's going straight to the ground. 
So it comes as no surprise that they don't find him. But after they don't find him, it says, the three boys meet up once again to discuss their failure. I don't feel like you need a discussion to be like, this is why I think we failed. We failed. Their failure to catch up to the man. Yeah. Yeah, it's because there's a guy who's running... And you had to leave a house. He had a long head start and the element of surprise. Yes. And the opportunity to go anywhere. And you don't. So it is not a surprise failure. No. The odds not are stacked against them. And to have a full-on discussion about that just blows my mind. I mean, they just gave up right away. They listened to the ground and were like, yeah, I think he's gone. We should meet up and talk about why we failed. Yeah. Just to be a fly on the wall of that conversation. I don't want to crawl through this chapter too slowly. Yeah. But the next line is when Joe asks Chet, do you think he was a thief? What would he steal? And to that I'm thinking, anything. (laughs) He's a thief. thief. (laughs) That's that's what thieves do is steal. It's not... It's not there. There doesn't need well, to be a big, you know, this, yeah. reason to steal. He's a thief. I don't understand the next line. So it goes from, "Do you think he was a thief?" Joe asked Chet. "What would he steal?" "Search me," the stout boy. Re- the stout boy replied. "Why would he say search me?" My thought here, and not to to rain on your uh, your no. I need to know. I'm very I, confused. I, I think he's saying like beats me. Like, search me. I don't have an idea. Like, is that a I phrase? I think that's an expression in the fifties. Okay, that 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 makes it a little bit more bearable. Because I'm thinking, why are you gonna? Also, why do they keep calling him the Stout Boy? Why don't they just say Chet? They never say anything yeah. about Frank or Joe. It's always like, hey, just to remind you, Chet's the fat one. Yeah, in case you forgot. Yeah, Chet has a, and and we'll be reminded of that many times many through this times, chapter, even in this chapter alone. Yeah. Um. So then Frank says, I believe he was carrying something, but I couldn't see what it was, to which I just thought, helpful. <laughs> should add your, yeah. <laughs> helpful, Frank. should add your head in the ground. Yeah, that's a crack that in the Joe. case. Yeah. <laughs> just broke wide open. I mean, these he guys might have been truth carrying something. left and right, yeah. We don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, these are just amazing detectives. Oh, yeah. These um, guys have got it going on. The barn door had not yet been closed for the night, and the boys walked in. So they started to look around the barn... Uh, where the call came from. Yeah. So they're, yeah. Where, where they find, yeah, there's an extension and, and they were able to, to the, the threat came from a phone call made from the barn. And they're trying to figure out what they could have stolen from the barn. And they're looking around. Um, and then Chet says, wait. Well, first, I'm sorry. They find a gray wig. A gray wig. And this, this man has multiple wigs now. Because yeah. he's gone from brown to red to gray. And we've got another... Uh, illustration here here uh opposite page 28 oh it's fantastic them all standing and pointing at a wig laying barren in the middle of the floor in which chet actually looks like he might be the thinnest of all of them yeah chet which looks is like a he's strange and confusing uh illustration it's interesting um yeah so so uh they, they they realize that the phone call there's a phone next to the wig as well in this photo and so they Realize that, uh, you know, yes, if you know how, you can call your own telephone number from an extension. And I just like that cool life hack that somebody picked up back in the day (laughs) because uh, things have changed a little bit. But uh, apparently, yeah, you could call your own telephone number from an extension if you knew how. That's right. (laughs) That's right, someone says. 
Uh, so yeah, so they're trying to figure out why why this guy came here and what he could have stolen. And all of a sudden, Chet's like, uh, let's see, wouldn't be any of the livestock, and it couldn't be hay or feed, which, by the way, yes, it could. Yeah, I know. I'm thinking, I would definitely steal it's some livestock. That's I could, valuable. I could sell that shit. Yeah. But then we uh, then Chet says, maybe I have the answer. Wait a minute, fellas. And off he runs. And I like that. Make them wait. Make the Hardy Boys wait. Don't give them everything. I, Make I them don't build like that. that anticipation. I don't you don't like, like that. the anticipation no. Chet builds? What? No, if he would say, you know, I, th- I know it. I know why. I'll be back in a second. I'd be like, okay, I'm on. But he says, maybe I know. Do you know or not, Chet? Don't give me the maybes. See, I don't want the maybe, baby. But Just Chet give doesn't me- know. And I think he's being honest here. Yeah. You're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. I try. I feel like I identify with Chet. I feel like there's other people who are in the lead here. And Chet's always sort of playing second fiddle yeah. to, to the well, third fiddle to, to Frank and Joe. And I feel like this is one chance where he's got some information. He's got a scoop. He's got he's a hunch. He's got the hot scoop. And he doesn't want to give it all up at once, but he also doesn't want to be like, hey, guy. He doesn't want to go, you know, I see full what you're Con Riley or full Fenton Hardy and be like, He's not even going to check anything. Here's what happened. Yeah, he just wants to go out. He literally walked around the corner, stood there, kind of giggled and jumped up and down, put his ear to the ground real quick just to make sure. <laughs> just to and check. Yeah, just to check. No just receding footsteps. See how this, the, the ground is sounding. Got up, went back in. And, and Sean, what did, what did he tell the boys? Well, actually, it says he uh, disappeared from the barn and made a beeline for the garage, went inside, and then came back. Uh, but that guy, I have it, he shouted. That guy came here to get the spare tire for the jalopy. Look at that. To which my note here is, no, <laughs> no, no. If this is all, if any of their hunches have been right, this guy wrecked a car. Yeah. Then with a crime of opportunity, stole another car and was on his way out of town, held somebody up, but then was like, oh, shoot, I got a flat tire. I need to go back to I need to, to go that. back yeah. to the scene of the crime, yep. to where these boys are, call them while I'm there, just I mean, you know, th- say, hey, threaten what... them, grab this tire, yeah. and then run with the tire away from this farm. Oh, you think he was... I thought, like, in my mind, he's got the tire, and it's just next to him, and he's spinning he's it. He's rolling as he, it Yeah, along he's doing with the him. roll, and he's just hitting it as he runs. Even still, if you're if you're going down the highway, sure. And what you would hear but, that, yeah. And he's going through a farm. Yeah, that's like this very is not true. a convenient thing that he's got going on. Also, but, that's that's more of a motive of a serial killer to return to the uh, crime scene. Yeah, which and then do we some stalking ruled and out. some calling. Yeah, so things are adding up for this to be the a Hardy serial Boys killer might right be now. in more trouble than we thought. This is just no normal thief. So the guy came here to get the spare tire for the jolly. The one you had is gone. Frank asked, and I thought. Didn't he well, just say that? Well, not only that, but why why isn't the spare tire in the in, back of the car? In the back of the car. <laughs> what are the odds of getting a flat tire in your garage? Like, oh, thank God we got this spare. I don't know. I'm not I'm no no gearhead like Chet yeah. Morton here, but uh but it doesn't seem great. And so I thought uh I wrote dumbest thief ever. It's a very dumb thing. If if yeah. if their hunch is true, if the Hardy Boys have nailed this, then this is a really really dumb thief, and they're dumb for having not caught him yet. Yeah, and I don't think he was. Did you think 
did he lose the wig before he made the phone call, or did he lose it after he made the phone call? I don't know. They kind of say that it, it must have fallen at some point, and something startled him, and he ran off. And during the startling, he made the is call, the and then dropped. they saw him outside of the barn. He wasn't in the barn, but they find the wig yeah, in the barn. Because Jack came like back, he, and he was like, "I was threatened." And then they look out the window and, and see then they this see dude. him. Yeah. So maybe he hung up. After threatening <laughs> Chet, then something startled him. Then he was spotted. Uh, okay, something startled him and he ran out. Sketchy timeline here. Very sketchy. So then they're like, all right, let's go hunt this dude down uh, because odds are if it broke down, it's probably pretty close and he's going to take the spare tire there. They're going to swap it out and then they'll make a getaway. So the car might be close. So they uh, get on the motorcycles, Chet riding behind Joe, and they go up one road, down another, covering the territory very thoroughly. And they saw no parked car. And then I like this part. Uh, Frank says, not even any evidence that a driver pulled off the road and stayed to change a tire. No footprints, no tool marks, no treads. And I wrote, none? (laughs) It's a road. (laughs) Unless it's like a Japanese garden that somebody raked very cleanly every day. You're going to have something on that road. There's going to be footsteps on the side of the road from all the times that they've gotten off their motorcycles and ran up a hill. There's going to be just, footsteps, yeah. but no, no. But there's nothing. It's the cleanest road in history. All no I could think is, marks. well, perhaps you should put your head to the ground because <laughs> this is a point where it might work. There might there were no footprints, but there could have been receding footsteps yeah. in the distance. You don't know. They're not checking no the ground for the right reasons here. So then Chet concludes the guy must have had somebody around to pick him up, and then Frank offers, "Cheer up, Chet. That spare tire may turn out to be a clue in this case." It's like, what a consolation prize that is. What weak, like, I know your car stolen and now the spare tire, but hey. Could be a clue. Could be a clue. So cheer up. Be happier about this. I don't know. I like that, though. This is is a very high school-y moment. I'm I'm very aware of the boy's age in this whole scene here. They're running around, putting their heads on the ground, looking for footprints and... Finding nothing in any of those cases except a wig that a startled I mean, man These boys dropped. are just not having a good night. They're not having a good night. In the nor middle do I of think dinner. they're really good detectives. No, no. Yeah, in the middle but of dinner. Which, in the middle of dinner. This so, is all. So going now we're on. going back, and uh, they, they they go back in the house, and Callie and Iola are waiting. Wonderful names. And Callie says, "What in the world were you doing, dashing out of here without a word?" And I stopped and thought, there was a word. At the end of the last chapter. Oh, my God. Fellas. Fellas, follow me. Yeah. That's three words. He uh, said a fair amount of words there. Yeah. But uh, so interesting turn of phrase, Callie. But I get your point. It was so, somewhat abrupt. It was very rude. Yes. He could have invited. And just, hey, everyone. Didn't so, have to just be fellas. Frank's trying to calm, calm down, girls. I saw a... <laughs> Oh, but how does he say it again? Calm it? down, girls. Frank said soothingly. soothingly. I saw Calm a down, prowler. Girls. <laughs> he says it so soothingly, and then he yells at them. I saw a prowler. We were looking for him, but all we found was this. And he tossed the gray wig onto a chair in the hall. Instead of like in front of them, he's like, and then we found this. And he throws it in the <laughs> other room. <laughs> That's a good detective. That's high drama. That's a lot good of tension people, right there. A lot of bad detectives, probably like Oscar Smuff, use <laughs> uh, use evidence bags. Yeah. yeah, Frank's just throwing things onto chairs and hallways. Yeah, dude, good Oscar, on him. Oscar Smuff would be wearing gloves, putting yep. it, yeah, and bagging it correctly because yeah. he's a proper detective. Um, and then we get to the serious drama. Chet 
Suddenly there is a loud wail from Chet. Yes. And he says, my Welsh rabbit, it's been standing so long it will be ruined. I mean, that's definitely something I'd be more concerned about uh, rather than my car. Yeah, my car was just stolen and it's spare tire. But truthfully, when it comes down to it, you can't eat a car. a Welsh rabbit he had whipped up for the occasion. And my favorite line and most confusing one is after that where – okay, so Iola begins to giggle. (laughs) Oh, you men. (laughs) Oh, you men, she said. Do you suppose Callie and I would let all that good cheese go to waste? Is Welsh rabbit cheese? You know, I resisted the temptation to look up what Welsh rabbit yeah, is. I'm but I don't know. It's a rabbit. It's just I too was thinking it was a rabbit, but yeah. it's probably cheese. This... Based on these context clues yeah. I'm pulling out here. I'm very confused. Um but this brings up an important question for me at this point. Um where are Chet's parents? This is now the second day. They woke up. They, they, the stuff was stolen. They went to the wig stores the other day, and now they're yeah. over for dinner. Um, and they said, like, the, the barn wasn't yet closed for the night earlier. Like, this is a working farm. Is I can't imagine that Chet and Callie, or Chet and Iola, are running the farm by themselves and still yeah. having the time to be irresponsible, dumb high schoolers. But I'm just. A, a little bit, uh, a little bit worried. concerned. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like the parents in these books are not good parents at it's all. A, it's a little bit like uh, it was a Charlie Brown, where like the parents are just sort of these figures who are not really seen or understood. Yeah, except for the great Fenton Hardy and the, the only respectable they... parent in yeah. the book. Yeah, but interesting. Uh, so they 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 eat and they have a conversation and and then they decide. Um, if they get well, Frank and Joe ask if they can take the gray wig and examine it more thoroughly. I like they that ask they Chet. asked Chet that. Yeah, and I like, thought that hey, was this was found on your property. Can we take it? We're can you detectives. imagine if Chet was just like, "No, I, I want to keep that wig." And, which, by, by the way, earlier, as soon as they found it, they looked around and there were no identifying marks on it. I think it said like, the, uh, "Yeah, they made a yeah." A, Frank picked up the wig and examined it carefully for a clue. No identifying mark in it. Um. And then we come here later and they're like, well, we might examine it. There might be some kind of mark on it to indicate either the maker or the owner. So they've already checked once. Yeah. And then we get, get to a little hot and heavy sexual tension oh, yeah. fueled. Oh, yeah. So supper's over. Callie says to Frank. Now, if you remember, Callie is Frank's favorite girl to date. With a teasing gleam in her eye. Why don't you hot shot sleuths examine that wig right now? I'd like to watch your super-duper methods. And Frank says, just for that, <laughs> I will. That's all it takes to get Frank to do something. Well, I like that. I just think, of all things, what an anticlimactic display of detective. Like, all right, we're having a wig examination. <laughs> you Everybody want it? You got it. Here we go. Give me my magnifying glass. We're examining We're this going wig. strand by strand, baby. You're going to see me do it. And he really does. Yeah. He takes a small magnifying glass from his pocket, which is probably not a great place to hold a small magnifying glass. No. You're going to break it. It's glass. You're running through fields. What happens if sun gets in that pocket, too? Yeah, you're going to burn gonna a light hole through your jacket. Your pants you're going to light yourself on fire, sir. So they, they go through it strand by strand looking for stuff, uh, and then uh, they conclude that there are no identifying marks. So this is the second time we've had a full examination of it. The third time it's come up. Uh, yeah. And I, but it's not going to be the last time we're going to get an examination of this wig. No. Because they plan the next morning 
to take it to uh, one of the different uh, wig shops in town. Actually, I'll show it to the different wig men in town. Is how it's written. <laughs> hey, and, you're uh, a wig man. I'd like to think like my <laughs> my great grandfather and his great great grandfather were wig men in yeah. this town. You got hat men, you got wig men, you got it all. Yeah. Wig men. But so they 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 finish with a with their dinner and then the telephone rings, and Iola goes to answer it. Chet turns white. Yeah, Chet is terrified. He can't deal with another threat right now. Not after this, you know, Welsh rabbit incident. No, yeah, this this near miss with yeah. the cheesy Welsh he rabbit. He is not having a good night. Was and then the narrator even gives us this. Was the caller the man who had threatened him? And what did he want? And then Iola returns, a worried frown on her face. It's a man for you, Chet. He wouldn't give his name. Now, you My and I God. know who this is because we've read three paragraphs from now. But when we find out who it is, why was this individual unwilling to give a name? It I seems don't like know. that should be the first thing yeah. when you call. I'm a credible if man. If you're this guy, yeah. that you would give your name. But. So Chet goes to the phone. It's a long silence. And then it turns out that uh, Chet's like, I don't have any money. Oh, okay, I'll let you know. And he, hang- he hung- hangs up and wobbles to a nearby chair. Once again, to let us know that he's fat and he doesn't just walk. He wobbles. Yeah, and then the next sentence, the stout boy took a deep breath. Ah, it's terrible. Again. He says, I can get my jalopy back, but the man wants a lot of money for the information as to where it is. And then Callie's like, oh, I'm glad you're going to get your car back. Yeah, she exclaims. Uh, but I haven't got any money, Chet groans. Who's, who's the, the man? man? Frank. Frank is demanding. Frank demanded, who's the man? There's another long pause. And then... Dude, Chet is great with these long pauses. Yeah. He, he likes to keep he likes the to Hardy make Boys wait. in. Yeah, in he's, he's theatrical, and I appreciate that. I like how he delivers this next line like James Bond. Go ahead. Uh, then looking at the group... He announces simply, Smuff. Oscar Smuff. Bum, bum, bum. What a delivery. Yeah, so the listeners gasped in an astonishment. This was the last thing they expected to hear. The detective was selling information as to where Chet would find his missing jalopy, to which I thought, yeah, that's what detectives do. <laughs> Don't That's work how for he's free. making his money. He's they not go a cop. detect things, and that information is yeah. valuable. This man to is the a private investigator. Yeah. Why yeah. that cheap so and so? Joe cried out angrily. Of course, he's a cheap so and so. Yeah. Come the, on. There's fifty thousand people in Bayport, and the world's most famous detective lives yeah. there. There's this some guy's, harsh competition. Yeah. He needs every bit he can get <laughs> out of these kids. He's gonna bleed these kids dry. So I suppose Smuff has a point there. How much does he want for the information, Chet? His fee is $25. A whole $25. Now, you have to keep in mind, uh, these books were redone in the 50s. Yeah. So you did a little math. I I, I looked up a little internet. Yeah. And I went to internet.com and found out that it's $213. $25.1959 is $213. That's pretty steep prices. I hear that. That's pretty steep prices. But for a bunch of kids. But you got for four. For a bunch of kids, it's a car. The alternative is having to buy a new car. I don't know. It, you're it, right. It just and seems you're like right, you're right. there's things to be upset about. And this detective who's hunted down some information and proactively reached out to you to offer it to you yeah. is asking for 
uh, you know, not even a little bit of a finder's fee. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, hey, I'm trying to feed my family. I got kids. Yeah. I'm I'm smuff. He's also a stout man. He's a hungry man. Right. Isn't isn't, probably. Yeah. I I imagine he's a little a little chunky. So. So they decide to pool the resources, and they're going to make an offer to Smuff, um, and uh, and they're not going to pay him unless it actually leads him to the car, and it's actually Chet's car. Yeah. Uh, He's got to prove it before he gets his pudding. So uh, so about this time, Mr. and Mrs. Morton return home, and I thought, okay, Finally get a little bit of parents. Good. Voice of reason. People to be like, yeah. hey, if you see someone out there... Call the police. Someone stole don't my car, mom and don't dad. split up and put your head in the grass to try yeah. to listen for receding footsteps. Well, I'm thinking this is where he's going to get his money. His parents are going to drive him to where wherever they need to go. They're going to say, okay, we're going to look, see if this is your car. If this is, we'll pay this degenerate, and then we're going to get it back. And we're also, but you're grounded, mister. Also, since where's you my well- filed rabbit? a police report, you guys met with Chief Ezra Colleg. Yeah. You could let him know, like, hey, we have a lead. I know you're probably looking for a car with your resources, as we've asked you to do. But Oscar Smuff called us, and uh, we're going to meet him. If somebody just showed up, they threatened us on a phone. They they stole the spare tire. Things have developed. We're letting you know that. None of that. He left his wig. Yeah. We got the man's wig. Left a gray wig, a new lead. Uh, But then uh, Mr. and Mrs. Morton, which, real quickly... Chet and Iola's father was a good-looking, jolly man. And uh, then Mrs. Morton was an older edition of her daughter <laughs> Iola and just as witty and lighthearted. And I liked that this time we got a man's description more based on his looks. Yeah. And the woman got to be uh, to witty normal. and lighthearted. Yeah. A little personality. She got some personality and that's in this. The, that's the first that, that we've heard anything like that. That about was actually quite books. nice. But they also did say that you know Chet's father was a, a good-looking man, but he was built like his son. Which I'll I'll pat him on the back for that because their son is fat, he's fat, and they're still saying and he he's can still be good, good looking. looking. Yeah, isn't that great? It seems to it's lack some It's almost like judgment. a backhanded compliment, but whatever, yeah, we'll take it. You're cute for a fat guy. Yeah. For a fatty, you're Thanks, not that narrator. bad. Yeah. Thanks, Mister W. Dixon. So the parents ultimately are like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oscar Smuff, who's extorting you for information, is going to come here. You're going to get in his car and, and ride away with him, and we're okay with that. Yeah. We're fine with that. Go chase down this thief. And Mrs. Morton even says, from what I hear about Smuff, this red-haired thief could easily put one over on him. So she's already talking to Smuff. Well, she's saying that the thief is going to outsmart Smuff. So kids, be careful, because you're dealing with someone more dangerous than the unreliable adult into whose car you were about to get. And we're okay with it. Be careful, kiddos. Have fun. I mean, that's just good parenting. That's it's that hands 50s off, parenting. It's yeah, hands, hands off, off parenting. parenting. No yeah. helicopter parents back then. Yeah, you are just building character here, you know? So throw your kids in it. These are the kinds of parents that uh, before their children could swim, they threw them in the pool. So yeah. sink or swim. Yeah, learn to yeah, swim. I like the that, yeah. So then we get uh, the, the Smuff takes him to Ducksworth and, and takes him to a uh, a used car lot. And they drive through, and he pulls up to a red jalopy. Ooh. And says, uh, I like his, uh, here you are, my money, please. <laughs> <laughs> to the point, not one for small talk. I can appreciate that. I like that, too. He's done this before. And which, you know, the, the boys and Chet was, you know, a little bit confused as this car is red and not yellow, thinking... The thief thought he could disguise it by painting it red. 
Smuff said to calm them down and say, this is definitely it. It's just painted. It's just red now. It's just red now. It's been professionally painted. The question is, with resources. do the boys believe this? So they say, well, if it was Chet's, let's scratch off some of the red paint. We should see some yellow paint. And we'll be good to go. Yeah. So let's they, not even ask the person who owns this used car lot. Let's go up there. Start scratching off some paint. <laughs> paint off this car at a used yeah. car lot that they're trying to sell. <laughs> Man, so the, the the chapter ends with this cliffhanger of the tech. The detective stood by sullenly as Frank pulled out a pen knife and began to scrape red paint off part of the fender. I like the pen knife. And yeah, I, li- I like the it's pen like knife. I like knife. that it's once again Frank doing everything and Joe is just sort of around me. Yeah, listening to the ground. Hasn't been mentioned in a while. <laughs> He's over laying on the ground next to the car, listening for receiving. It sounds footsteps. like it could be your tires, Chet. I'm just thinking, why isn't Chet like saying, I have a spare key. I'm going to bring it with me because I got to drive this car home. You know, they're not going to have a key there. Why does he go in the car, feel around, look at the interior, check for identifying marks on the inside before scratching up the outside? It's a great way. Check if the gas gauge is broken. Yes. Right away. If it's got gas in it, then you know, hey. Oh, wait. I just remembered. Unless the feet painted it red and replaced the gas gauge. (laughs) We don't know. But this chapter was called Red versus Yellow. And once again, it's a misleading chapter. That's not really what happened. That's what. Yeah. That's what's about to happen in the next <laughs> yeah. chapter. But similar to the threat, which was not really much of a threat, and uh, the holdup where there was no holdup. Yeah, uh, we're just getting bullshit. Yeah, you know, bullcrap title names. The here. Speed Demon has that been was the a, only appropriately titled chapter. That was so a far. fitting title. Yeah. So, I guess we'll see if the boys stay alive in chapter five.